Hello, and welcome to the Van Life Pantry Nomadic Pantry Podcast, where we talk all things food, cooking, kitchen, and pantry storage for vehicle nomads. This is episode 14, take three. I was recording this episode yesterday afternoon, and I got a phone call in the middle, and I do this on my phone, and when I came back to it, it was gone. It, the draft was just completely not there. Um, so I had to start over and I did the recording and then I even published it. But when I did the playback, I found that there was some sort of mystery sound and I don't know what was causing it, but it was very jarring and, um, distracting. And even though I am all about trying to do this without as much, with as little editing as possible and, um, allowing things to be imperfect, I don't want to allow the imperfection of sound that is um, unpleasant to listen to. So I am re-recording. So this is episode 14, take three. And um, (laughs) we're just going to try this again. So uh, first, the recap from last week. Um, I really enjoyed doing the live. I would like to do a live once a week. I like the Friday evening, 7 p.m. Pacific time um, time slot. Although, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm not going to commit that that will always be the time that I choose live because, uh, it'll also depend on when the guest is available. Um, but I would like to do more lives and I like the chit chat format. I like just being able to discuss, um, and, and I, it's, you know, food focused in most ways, but, um, the other topics that are also important in this lifestyle, um, are definitely worth discussing. And that, uh, makes a nice, enjoyable, rounded discussion. Um, so I apologize for some of the sound issues that I had. There was an echo and I don't know what caused it. And I'm not sure how to fix it, but I'm hoping that it was an anomaly that maybe will not represent itself. And I did notice that the sound deadening when one person was talking and and the um, platform would mute the other person or or make the other person's voice not as um, audible... I am not sure how to fix that, but I think because I used it as call-in guest instead of co-host designation, that might have something to do with it. There is a podcast that I listen to in the mornings, and I believe they are all listed as co-hosts when they are speaking, and they're able to do a much more conversational back and forth. And sometimes that means voices overlap a little bit because um, the excitement of someone saying one thing and someone really wanting to interject and and say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, let me, yes, I agree, or yes, that's how it works for me, or yes, I have this experience. Um, It's not so much an interruption as it is a normal way of conversation. Um, So I didn't mean to interrupt the guest, and I didn't mean to override when she was speaking, but sometimes it did sound like that was happening. And, um, there were times that I was in the middle of a thought and I, you know, maybe took the thought a little long and she was trying to interject and, um, was having a hard time. So, um, I really enjoyed Jamie. She was a wonderful guest. She had, uh, really great ideas, um, to share and I really enjoyed the segment and I hope you did too. But, 
next time I do a live, it's of course going to continue my um, education in this process and we will do it a different way and see if that helps um, the sound quality. So now I want to move on to tell you about my fridge. As you know, I had ordered the Alpacool T36 in early July, and um, it didn't come because I had designated it to go to a post office box, and the shipper did not tell me at the time of order that it couldn't go to a post office box, but they did just cancel the order <laughs> when it was time for them to ship it. And um, so I went a month in this inertia of trying to decide what fridge I should then go with because the T36 had become unavailable. I couldn't find it anywhere. So I couldn't reorder it at that time. And I was about to order a different fridge, but the height was a little bit higher than I really wanted it to be. And um, so I was on the fence and, and the wattage draw was a little bit higher. Um, so we were getting close to this next trip and I just needed to make a decision. So I went back and, and did some more research and looking again. And the T36 was available again. So I went ahead and ordered. And it arrived just this last week in, in time for this trip. And um, I've been using it now. Well, today will be day four. And uh, I'm still on the one charge on my portable battery. Uh, as of last night, it had taken 50% of my battery, and I haven't checked yet this morning, but um, it is still going and cooling and working just great. So uh, it looks like I can get at least three, maybe to five days on a battery charge and um, keep my, my uh, cooler cool. It's a dual zone fridge, so I have a fridge side and a freezer side, but I currently am only using fridge. So you can make both sides just refrigerator temperature, and that is what I'm doing now because I don't have anything that needs to go in the freezer and uh, gives me a lot of free, uh, fridge space if I'm using both sides as fridge. So I was carrying some meat, and we have used it. I am carrying some juice, some condiments, um some guacamole. That was really cool because I couldn't do that before in the cooler. Couldn't keep a, a constant enough temperature to keep that in good shape. I'm carrying a dozen eggs and um, a few other little items that, oh, my kimchi, my daikon radish kimchi. Um, I am not a fan of cabbage kimchi. I really never have been. It It's wilty. It's squeaky. It's not as good, but I like the flavor of kimchi. So I ran across this daikon radish kimchi, um, I don't know, a couple of years ago now, and I love it. It is fresh. It is crunchy. It is spicy. It is everything that I think kimchi ought to be, <laughs> but I'm not a complete kimchi connoisseur. So anyway, um, I have my kimchi and... Um, a couple of other little snacks in there. So, uh, yes, the, the Alpacool is so far a good 
choice and um, it's working well. It does make a little bit of sound, of course, because it has a compressor and a little motor, um, but it's not a very big sound. And I actually kind of like the white noise, a little bit of background white noise while I'm sleeping. And uh, in the daytime, you don't notice it really at all, but it does uh, come on and off. So when it gets to temperature and it doesn't need to be going constant, it will turn itself off for a moment. And then when it needs to cool again to keep that temperature constant, that little motor will come back on. Um, so that's just something to know. And I'm surprised at how strong the lid closure is. In fact, I had trouble opening it myself. I actually had to get help or use two hands. Um, and from the angle, you ha I have to be above it. I can't do it from sitting in the chair next to it. So um, it does have a really nice, good, tight uh, lid closure seal. Um, so that is also something good to know about the Alpacool. So I think once again, that is a game changer item because I have a lot more freedom now in what I can carry and I can carry, oh, I have a bagged salad. That's one of the other things I have and it keeps much better than it did in the cooler. I've, I've had it now for three days. We've used it a couple of times on a couple of different meals and it is still crisp and fresh and without the water and the up and down temperature fluctuation that you get with melting ice in a cooler, um, it has stayed much better. So that's good. I can carry uh, more vegetables. Oh, zucchini. I also had a zucchini and an onion. The onion, let me say this, I love onion on things. I like to saute it. I like it in my um, fried potatoes. I like to have it raw in tuna. Um, I like to just have it on hand. But I found with the cooler and now with this fridge, um, you cannot get the smell to stop invading other things. And I double bagged it this time when I had a, a onion that was already cut. And uh, within an hour and a half, I reopened the lid for something and the entire fridge smelled like onion. So I'm either going to use shallots because they are small and you can use them all up in one sitting, even though they do cost more, they are more expensive. And um, well, more on that in a moment. Or I am going to use minced onion and just reconstitute it when I need to use onion because I do not want the things that are not savory well or really anything I don't want the onion taste and smell invading my fridge so that is a big issue and um, one that I will continue to try to work out back to the cost issue one of the things I've noticed of course is um, things can be more pricey in this lifestyle um, not so much at the moment because one shallot probably doesn't cost very much but one shallot does cost more per pound than onions do per pound so when you buy onions you can get more of the onion for your money um, so in that way it is more expensive sometimes to buy small or to buy single um, just like at Costco, if you go and buy larger amounts in bulk, you get better pricing um, because bulk pricing tends to be better pricing. 
But when you live in a van, especially the people who are full-timing, um, you cannot go buy in bulk because there's nowhere to put it. So unless you have a group of, you know, caravanning friends that all want to have um, the 16 pack of paper towels and you want to split it between you all, then, you know, you can't just go buy in bulk. So that's an issue. Anyway, um, I, I might, shallots might be the answer or minced onions might be the answer. I, I don't know yet. Uh, green onions maybe are the answer because they don't have as strong a smell as um, white or yellow or even red onions. So anyway, just know onions are a bit of an issue. Um, so that's it for the fridge. And next I want to talk about a place to visit, even though it is not specifically a food stop. Um, I do want to continue to include fun other information for you as well. So yesterday we went to a place that I have been to several times and it is in Klamath, California, um, off the, right on the highway 101. There is a restaurant across the street that they also own, and the place is called Trees of Mystery. It is at 15500 Highway 101 in Klamath, California. Uh, it is 40 miles south of the Oregon border and 65 miles north of Eureka, California. Um, it actually has a very large uh, parking lot, and it is open all year. It is right in the middle of Northern California redwood forests, and it is gorgeous, beautiful, awesome, wonderful sight. Um, it has some of the tallest and oldest living tree specimens. Um, and in this particular place, there was a man named Carl Bruno, who originally purchased the land in 1931. And... Um, he called it Wonderland Park and Motor Lodge. And then um, in 1940, Carl Lewin, I believe they became partners, uh, <clears throat> changed the name to Wonderland Park Trees of Mystery, and that was its name until 1946. And then in 1946, the Thompson family purchased the park and changed the name just to Trees of Mystery. And it has been Trees of Mystery since 1946. Originally, Carl Lewin discovered that many of the trees on the property had very unusual um, growth, and they were um, growing in strange and interesting shapes, many of them. So he pioneered a trail through this grove of trees, and he used a cabin as the business quarters, and they opened a nature trail that they charged money uh, for people to come in. It was a nickel to come in and go down this nature trail. Um, this actually happened after they had had some businesses on the property that were failing um, because the Great Depression just uh, dampened the business opportunities. So Carl Lewin and Carl Bruno gave names to the surrounding trees and they um, put up signs that would explain the name of the tree. In 1939, one of their trees called the Fallen Giant 
was featured on Ripley's Believe It or Not. And shortly after that, they were able to increase the price of admission from five cents to 25 cents. <laughs> that was a great jump. But today, it is $20 per adult to get into the park. The cost for children under 12 is lower, but I don't recall what that is. I, I think it's probably around $12. Um, anyway, so when you get inside, this um, little looping trail goes through several areas. They have what they call the Kingdom of Trees Trail, which um, is dedicated to the majesty and awe of the coast redwoods. And um, there are extraordinary specimens of coastal redwood, Sitka spruce, Douglas fir, western hemlock, and red alder. There is a one-mile hike that is off of this regular trail that people can also go on. They call that the Wilderness Trail. Um, it is a downhill, a lot of, a lot of it is downhill, um, and it goes through a little bit of the backcountry, and it connects their gondola ride, the Sky Trail, at Ted's Ridge, which is the lookout point from the Sky Trail gondola ride, uh, with the Forest Experience Trail, which is the regular trail that everybody goes down. Um, so experienced hikers are advised to wear proper footwear. As I remember, that used to cost an extra amount to get in and go on that more experienced trail. And they used to do it guided only. So uh, if you want to do the more uh, experienced trail while you are in there, you should ask about that because I did not ask about any specifics and we weren't there to take that trail. So I have not taken it. Um, and I've mentioned there's a Sky Trail gondola, so that is really cool too. And that's just part of the admission you you've already paid to get in, and so that is um, just in there, and you can hop on. And it takes you a seven to nine minute ride, and um, it's up to six passengers in the little gondola uh, car cabin, and uh, it stops at Ted's Ridge, which is the observation point at the top. You have to get out of the car. You can stay as long or as little as you like. Um, you, then you hop back in another gondola car and it brings you back down the hill. Um, at the top, you can see the ocean. You can see Hidden Beach and you can see uh, the backside of Klamath backcountry. Um, so Trees of Mystery is very close to the ocean, but from the ground, you can't see the ocean from there. But from the top at Ted's Ridge you can see out to the ocean. It's a spectacular view. One of the really interesting trees that they have is one that they now call the Brotherhood Tree. And it is the largest privately owned redwood. It stands over 300 feet tall. I think they measured it at 320 feet. And it is over 19 feet in diameter. Um, I think I thought I read that it was more, but anyway, over 19 feet in diameter, and um, they named it for the Brotherhood of Man. There is a video, they have a little interpretive center near the gondola ride, where they have a video about uh, National Geographic measuring this Brotherhood tree, and the people just look like little ant specks on this tree. It's amazing. And um, anyway, I think the video might even be available uh, widely on YouTube or or National Geographic somewhere replay. Um, it's worth looking up. It's an interesting short segment on how they measured this tree and um, its history and what they think its age is. 
So uh, that's really pretty cool. The new addition that we got to do this year that was not there before is called the Redwood Canopy Trail. And that is a series of suspension footbridges that are up in the trees and um, they're really high. And uh, if you're worried about heights, you might want to skip it. But if you want to um, face that fear and go up there and get this gorgeous views from above the trail up in the tree canopy, then uh, this is a definite must do. So we did, we took the walk and I don't know how long it took. It, it, it's about a 20 minute thing if you, you know, kind of saunter along and enjoy the site. Um, and I don't recall exactly how many bridge segments there are, but there are several. And in between them, of course, it stops at from tree to tree and it, there's a little observation deck that you can stand on, which is not bridge, but just um, solid deck. Now that I've said all that, I do see that I have some specifics on the canopy trail. So um, it has eight viewing platforms. They are 50 to 100 feet high in the trees. They vary. Some are higher than others. There are nine suspension bridges and they are 23 to 130 feet long. They create a one-way walk over the forest floor. So you go up on one end and then you end up coming down in a different spot. Um, definitely worth the price of admission and um, worth doing. It, it, it adds to the place immensely. And uh, it also added to the fullness of the parking lot, I noticed. <laughs> and it added to the price of admission because uh, when we were there last year, the cost was lower and um, there weren't nearly as many people. So the gondola ride, we had to wait about 20 minutes this time in the line to get on. And uh, that typically had not been the case. So good for them. They have become a little more popular. They are a small business that is thriving, thankfully, especially in, you know, the economic ups and downs that we've been experiencing in recent, you know, decade. Um, so yeah, it's a great place to visit. And um, I think that you should definitely stop there if you are ever in the Northern California Redwoods area. I think I mentioned the place once before in a podcast, and I mentioned it last week when we were talking about the Redwood Drive on Highway 199 that um, connects Highway 1 to 101. Um, and I could not remember the name Paul Bunyan, but there's a statue of Paul Bunyan in the parking lot in this um, place. And so if you don't want to pay to get into the trees, there is a gift shop. There is um, a forest cafe across the street. It's a restaurant connected to the um, 23 room inn. And um, there is this Paul Bunyan statue with his babe, ox. And um, just those are worth the stop. The Paul Bunyan statue has been through a few iterations. The first one was 15 feet tall and lasted until 1962. Um, well, the, the first couple. One was paper mache and it only lasted a year because it disintegrated in the weather. And then they remade it and um, I think that second one was a wood frame covered with cement and fiberglass, and um, that one was the one that lasted until 1962. Babe the Blue Ox was built from a kit 
that they purchased from Long Beach, California in 1951. And there were no plans or instructions about how to put it together. Um, so they just uh, winged it, apparently. And um, when it was finished, its head and tail moved up and down, and it could blow steam from its nose. And it stood 35 feet from the ground and weighs 35,000 pounds. The current Paul Bunyan statue that is there was built by someone named Ward Berg, and he owned Berg's Boatworks in Klamath, and um, he had been a former Hollywood set builder, so he apparently knew how to do these things. Um, so this animated, uh, its hand moves and its eye winks and its head can turn. Um, this animated giant is 49 feet, two inches tall. It took four years to construct and thousands of hours and miles of wire. Um, it was ready for 1962 dedication. In the end, it weighs 730,000 pounds of reinforced concrete was used for the, well, okay, 730,000 pounds of reinforced concrete was used to counterbalance it. It weighs 28,000 pounds. It is 52 feet around the waist. And as I said, it's 49 feet, two inches tall. Um, it took 400 gallons of resin, 2,000 pounds of fiberglass roving, and um, 10,000 pounds of steel to form the double wall construction inside the body. That was covered with 3,200 square feet of wire cloth to shoot the fiberglass against. 30 gallons of color coat resin used in the outside coloring. The axe is 24 feet tall. The right hand waves, the right eye winks, the mouth works, the head turns. And he is wired for sound and he talks to the public. This is the largest one in the world and the total cost to build it was $55,000. There is a section toward the end of the trail that they call the Tale of Tall Tales. And the owner commissioned Kenyon Kaiser to carve these figures. Um, it, I don't know what year, but anyway, there's one called the Pooped Logger. There's one called the Trained Rat Pack. There's one called Sawdust McPherson. Uh, there is a Side Roller, which is a big snake. There is a large grizzly, mama bear, and flapjack, and a few others. And these are just um, carved wood panels. So I, I believe he probably used a chainsaw, but maybe he used something else to carve them. They are ranging in uh, size from 4 by 7 feet to 4 by 20 feet. And... Um, They are a good backdrop for photos, and they're just uh, nice points of interest. Lastly, in 1968, the owner, Mary Lee, built a small museum in the gift shop, and she called it End of the Trail. It's a Native American artifacts museum, and it houses a collection that she had been collecting for years. She finally figured she had enough artifacts to make a unique showing, and um, she put baskets, clothing, and artifacts from the tribe's all the way from the Mississippi River to the Rio Grande to uh, British Columbia to Alaska and the Aleutian. Um, and it's a really, really nice 
uh, little museum. It has some really interesting things to look at. Some of the clothing is phenomenal and the beadwork is astounding. And um, that is definitely worth looking into if you just stop to go into the gift shop. They have several handmade items that are made by people of uh, Native American tribes. I believe most of what they have is from the Navajo. Anyway, um, I bought an herbal application there. It is a salve called um, Black and Blue Balm. It is from Nuwati Herbals and um, is supposed to be good for spider veins and bruises. It has arnica, blueberries, wormwood, ginkgo, witch hazel, gatucola, horse chestnut, beeswax, and extra virgin olive oil. So that is something I will be adding to my herbal applications arsenal. So that is a great place to visit if you are ever in that area. And now I will um, get on to what we ate. What have we been eating on this trip? Well, potatoes are always something that I carry. Uh, they are very versatile. You can use them in several ways. And um, I've had potatoes and we've used them all. I actually thought I brought too many and thankfully uh, I didn't. <laughs> I had just enough. So this morning we're going to round it out with um, instant oatmeal because that's quick and easy when we are packing up camp uh, from the place that we've been staying for a few days. We brought leftovers because we were able to do that because of the constant temperature ability of the fridge. So I had we had done a, a restaurant night the night before we came on this trip and we had some leftovers and it was Thai food, which I love. And so we brought that and the first two nights we finished off the leftovers. We mixed it with a few things that we made fresh. And um, so we had just leftovers, but we also had potatoes and I made um, burger patties. Um, we've had s'mores. So I get the uh, marshmallows that do not have any corn syrup in them. And we have gluten-free um, graham crackers and we have chocolate. When I was growing up, we camped a lot and my parents were not s'mores people. I never had a s'more until I was well into my adulthood. And I do enjoy them. So we always try to make sure that we have those on hand. And um, my daughter loves to make s'mores. So every evening, if there is a place, uh, if we're staying at a place that a campfire is allowed, we do campfire s'mores. So that was a good dessert item that we brought with us. And um, we, for breakfast, we have had scrambled eggs with zucchini. We have had fried potatoes with um, sautéed onion. We have had pan-fried toast. I didn't bring the camp toaster um, because I, I just didn't want to take up the room this time. It's small, it's flat, but you know every little thing that you bring takes up more space. Um, so anyway, I just did some pan-fried toast, and I think it's the best way to eat toast ever, but it does involve either butter or a little bit of oil. I don't have butter on this trip, so I used a little bit of olive oil, drizzled it on the bread, and then pan fried that on the pan. And so we had that with um, a little bit of jelly with our breakfast. Today, I'm actually going to make, before we pack up, I'm going to make pan fried bread again 
um, gluten-free bread, of course, and I'm going to make uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So pan fried the bread, put the peanut butter and jelly on, and then we will put those in Ziploc bags so that we have lunch ready to go when it is time to eat lunch. For drinking, we brought some instant um, hot chocolate and I brought some chai tea and I didn't bring my tea kettle. So uh, one of the things I have noticed and I'm not sure how I'm going to remedy it yet, but when I am not using shore power, I only have one burner available. My Covea stove is a single burner stove. And um, when you want to heat water for something to drink, but you also need to be cooking and you want to cook more than one thing, you can't. <laughs> you have to do them in succession one at a time. So by the time you get finished with the first thing that you heated or cooked and you finally get to finishing the last thing that you heated or cooked, um, the first one's cold. So that is an issue. Uh, it's good if you can do a pan meal all at one time, but if you're doing scrambled eggs separately with the zucchini, because zucchini has a lot of water in it, so I don't want to cook the zucchini in with my, uh, with my uh, fried potatoes because it makes a steam effect and it keeps the potatoes from frying as well, browning as well, and it takes longer for them to cook. So um, anyway, I have to do it in two skillets, and that means that something gets cold while the other thing is cooking. Because I didn't bring my tea kettle, I had to use a saucepan for warming the water for tea or for hot chocolate, which meant that the saucepan had to be in use and I couldn't have it holding water for dipping my fingers in, for rinsing, or for um, getting ready to boil something else. So uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to remedy that. I, I don't have room to carry a two-burner stove, but I could carry two single burner stoves. And I do have an electric hot plate that I carry. And I do have uh, an extension cord that I always carry because sometimes I do have shore power available. And in fact, at the site that we are staying now, I am directly next door to an RV site. And um, the bathrooms that exist here um, went down for maintenance and they're closed. So the plug-in that I normally could have used in the bathroom to recharge my phone or to recharge my portable battery, I'm not able to use. So the people next door were kind enough to let me use my extension cord just to charge my batteries. But, um, I don't want to overuse that. And I, I, you know, it's not my space. And so, um, I'm just borrowing a little bit of power. So I couldn't just bring an extension cord and power everything because I didn't feel that that would be the right thing to do. Um, so anyway, I've had a little bit of power available to me, but not enough to do all of the things. So I did not run my electric hot plate. Long story to say, um, if you can have a two burner, that is a good way to go. Or if you have a way to have two single burners, that is a good way to go. And um, I will continue to report as time goes on, but I think I'm going to add a gas one um, to my arsenal of cookware because it can do butane or propane. My current stove can only do butane. Um, so anyway, I'm all about the versatility and um, just going with the flow and learning things as I go and adjusting as I need to because 
that is what this is all about. I mean, living this lifestyle requires um, the ability to flex and change and adapt and um, adjust as the need arises. So I think that is it for me this time. Um, we are well-fed. We are happy and healthy. We have enjoyed this latest tour through the Northern California Redwoods. And if you have never been to the Redwoods, um, I if you love the outdoors and if you love the woods at all, Redwoods are a must-see in your lifetime. They are amazing. And um, there are various places along the 101 to stop that have some historic information and some historic trees. And even, as we mentioned last week in the live, there are a few spots in California in the Redwoods where you can go through what's called a tour through tree, which is a tree that has the center bottom of its trunk was cut out many years ago for a car to be able to pass through. So you can actually drive through the trunk of a living tree. That is pretty super amazing. Now, I know that, you know, damage to the tree and all of that is an issue, and some people may not like that those exist, but um, they do exist and they've been existing for years, and uh, it's just a fun experience if you happen to be in a place that has one near. And there is one roughly uh, five miles from the Trees of Mystery in Klamath, California. So if you find yourself there, you can do both things. And um, yeah, round out your trip. Anyway, thank you again for joining me. Um, I would appreciate it if you would like or share or tell your friends about my podcast. Um, I would like to reach more people who might be interested in talking about food on the road and even um, who might enjoy some of my tangent segments about places to visit or about herbal applications. Um, as always, I thank you for joining in and for listening. And um, if you know how to get me on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> please do let me know. Uh, the problem is not getting me listed. They, 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 it's not that they won't list me. It is a digital glitch of some sort that I cannot get past. Uh, I don't know why. I think maybe it's a feed issue. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure what the problem is, but I cannot seem to get it fixed. So... I'm on several other platforms. If you Google Van Life Pantry Podcast, you can find me in places to listen without even having to download an app. But if you'd like to be a guest or a guest co-host for a week, um, you do need the Podbean app. So um, let me know if you're interested. You can message me at vanlifepantry at gmail.com or you can comment here on the podcast or you can find me on Instagram at Van Life Pantry. And I'm also on Instagram at Nomadic Pantry, both. Um, you can find my Facebook page, Van Life Pantry. Uh, my Facebook group, Van Life Pantry dash Nomadic Pantry. And um, join in the fun. So thank you again. And we will see you next time. And... I met a fellow nomad again on this trip. I love to sit and chat with people when they are willing and I have the time. Um, so maybe I will see you on down the road.